0: eight oh seven Nashville's Morning News on Super Talk ninety nine seven WTN. Governor Lee and nobody it's like it's like nobody wants to say what it is that Governor Lee wants to do, which is effectively Bring red flag laws to the state of Tennessee. John Harris from the Tennessee Farms Association joins us here. John, we're going to have to put you on the payroll here at WTN. But the reason why we all like to have you on is because you're so smart and you explain this stuff in really simplistic terms. And so let's talk a little bit about what it is that Governor Lee wants to do. Would you say, as as the governor is asking for the state uh, lawmakers to come up with a version of red flag laws, what exactly do you envision that the governor wants?
1: The governor made it quite clear in his statement earlier in the week that what he wants is some category of law that allows government to separate individuals who are deemed to be a risk to public safety from firearms. Now, by definition that's a red flag law. Right. Um, and it seems to be quite clear that's what he's calling for because well, Can he I, can, really I ask wasn't a, can I ask
0: a dumb question, John? Because I'm famous for my dumb questions. So why is everyone afraid to call it a red flag law? I mean, is that like it just it's like he tap danced around it. I mean, call if that's what it is and by definition that is what it is then call it that. And that way we know what we're dealing with.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think honesty would compel calling it what it really is, a red flag law. One of the reasons is uh, that he's avoiding that terminology, I feel, is that a large number of legislators currently in the General Assembly have in the past responded to candidate surveys or signed candidate pledges uh, affirming that they would never support a red flag law. And so to sort of circumvent that situation, he's uh, he's avoiding that terminology.
0: So let me ask this, because on the surface, and I've said this a bazillion times, stop me, folks, when you've heard this before, I've said a bazillion times, we need to keep the guns out of the hands of crazy people. And, and I think most people would agree to that. The problem, and this is the same thing with, with the gun debate, generally speaking, is that That's really not ultimately what happens with these red flag laws. I mean, perhaps at times that does work. But in reality, you get law-abiding citizens that have their guns taken away with no due process. That is a big issue. And and so the question is, number one, as you, John, because you know what's happening in all these other states, and that's why I like to have you on. Is there a state somewhere in the union that is doing red flag, red flag laws right?
1: <clears throat> there really isn't. Uh, there's about 20 states, depending on how you count them, there's as many as 22, that have some category of red flag law. And, you know, the question of are they doing it right, I would say no, because in, in each instance, the fundamental feature of a red flag law is the... Uh, effort to go out into a particular situation and seize the firearms and remove them from possession, but the, the fundamental failure of a red flag law is that it, the real risk is the individual that has a mental or emotional health issue that gives them a propensity to do harm to themselves or others, and that risk, the individual, is left completely unrestrained. Uh, all they do is they take away a certain category of weapons, but they can get more uh, through, you know, black market, for example, or they could get different kinds of weapons like knives or even uh, use have access to automobiles and just run through a crowd of people.
0: So then I guess the question is, how do you keep the guns out of the hands of, of crazy people? I mean, I, the, the problem is with, with the red flag laws, it is just so laden with, with problems, with with errors. It, it's with issues. And, and so you you have situations where the crazy people are still, as you just said, they're going to be able to get these guns. That's number one. But number two, by and large, and, and we've seen this, I mean many, many, many times where you know, people have a jilted spouse, people have an angry neighbor an angry cousin, an angry friend, whatever. And they get into a fight. And so then people have these red flag laws and they they utilize these to say, hey, that guy over there, he's a danger to himself or others. And so you need to take his guns away. And their guns end up getting taken away. There's far more examples of that that most people have seen over the years who pay attention to these kinds of things. And so I guess then my, my question to you is, how do we solve this problem? Now, you and I both know that the Covenant shooter and also the um, the shooter in uh, Louisville, uh, there's nothing that would have stopped or prevented those uh, shootings from happening. The, the parents said, we don't want, we didn't want her to have guns. They didn't know that she had guns. Uh, same thing with uh, the Louisville shooter. So what's the answer?
1: Well, there's a couple of answers. I mean, when you have a specific incident like either of those, what we do know from studying the, the, you know, in hindsight, all of these shootings is that the sooner there's armed resistance, by it, it doesn't even have to be, you know, SROs or professional law enforcement, the sooner there is any armed resistance, the increased probability that the fatality and injury rates are going to be substantially lower than if there is no armed resistance the other thing and i think it really goes to the question of why red flag law or why not <clears throat> is that we do have and most states already have laws on the books in tennessee it's called an emergency involuntary committal so let's assume as you discussed earlier that you know the neighbor the spouse Somebody makes a complaint. Law enforcement goes out, and they say, okay, yeah, we've got someone here that's emotionally disturbed or mentally disturbed, and we need to deal with this problem. The red flag law's solution is let's take away a thing. But it doesn't deal with the problem, which is the person that's disturbed or has a mental health crisis. On the other hand, Tennessee's emergency and voluntary committal laws say, in that same scenario, okay, yeah, we've got a person here who is mentally or emotionally disturbed. It's severe enough that they pose an immediate risk of harm to themselves or others. And in that scenario, the mental health approach says a court can order almost immediately upon a verified statement from a physician the seizure of the individual, the transport of the individual to a mental health facility or hospital and the involuntary confinement of that individual for up to two weeks for monitoring, assessment, and treatment. And then that person has an absolute right to a full evidentiary hearing with state-appointed, state-funded defense attorneys, if necessary, yep. to determine are they, in fact, a mental health risk? Do they need continued, ongoing, mandatory treatment? And, you know, it's, it's troubling that Governor Lee wants to focus on the firearm as a solution and separating the person from the firearm, but not separating the risk, the person, from society, at least temporarily, to try to get a handle on what's the problem and how can we help them.
0: 8.15, Nashville's Morning News on WTN. John Harris, Tennessee Firearms Association, is joining us. John, I've got to pause one second because we've got to check the roads and I'll come back to you. I want to check the roadways now from the Paul Winkler Investment, WTN Traffic Center. Thank you very much. As far as your weather for today, it's going to be mostly cloudy, a high of 77 right now, 48 at Supertalk, 99.7 WTN. John Harris joining us, Tennessee Farms Association. So the governor, in fairness to the governor and the state legislature, they do want to do other things as well. And they are doing other things. They want to fortify schools. They want to armed teachers that want to be armed. They want SROs, you know, all of the things that, you know, people talk about very realistic things that we can do to save lives that the Democrats don't want to talk about. All they want to talk about is the gun. We all know that story. So, John, I guess the the next question is, what do you think the state lawmakers, I, do you have a prediction as to what, um, you know, they'll how their reaction to the governor's uh, quest will be? What do you think they're going to respond with?
1: absolutely we we have talked i've talked with quite a few legislators in the last 2 weeks about you know how do we how do we address this and you know frankly i've been doing this for the tfa for 28 years now and it's an issue that comes up repeatedly and and uh, i think there's a good number of legislators particularly republicans that are extremely concerned that the governor's approach has been you know to to fall into the delusion of red flags a solution and they're really far more interested in you know can we improve the mental health statutes that are currently on the books so that potentially the threshold for intervention is lower uh, or that we can have a quicker response window so for example we don't know with the Covenant Shooter exactly what the nature of the mental health or emotional health counseling that she was receiving was. It may have never indicated a risk of harm to the public or to herself, but if it did, you know, do we need or is there already a requirement that that mental health counselor would have had to have reported that to, uh, to initiate the involuntary committal process?
0: So is the question then, if somebody is, and and people have asked me this, so I'm going to ask you, Uh, she was in counseling, Louisville Shooter was also in counseling, but there's nothing, if somebody just goes to counseling, that therapist is not obligated to send anything to the authorities as far as, you know, this is somebody you need to watch and and so forth. they're just, because that would mean that if somebody has guns and they appreciate their guns, they would never go to counseling. Because they would be afraid that their guns would, would be taken away. I mean, there, there is, is there a trigger? Let me ask you this, John. Is there a trigger if you're in counseling? Wh- forgive the pun. It's a bad pun. I didn't even realize that. But is there a trigger that the counselor will say, I need to notify the authorities. This person is dangerous. They have guns. I need to take this action.
1: That is a professional judgment call, but I do believe the, between the way the statutes written and the way the case law has developed, that if a professional medical care provider, health, mental health provider, has reason to believe that the person is an immediate risk to themselves or others, that they can't just make a note of it in their records. They've got to notify and take action. Now keep in mind the involuntary committal process is not a public record. It's a private, um, proceeding. And so the rights of the individual are still somewhat protected in that. And and the involuntary committal process doesn't necessarily impact your Second Amendment rights because it physically secures you, the individual, away where you don't have physical access to a weapon. But I think there is a need to, you know, let's further examine at what point, at what threshold the mental health providers have an affirmative duty to initiate that process or maybe even just straight up call law enforcement in and say, hey, this person needs to be detained right now uh, based upon the crisis environment that exists. See, that,
0: yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of my, my question is, and you're right, I think it does require further exploration because there seems to be a massive gray area. Where a person may be in therapy and clearly they're having problems, but then that person ends up in therapy, leaves therapy, and then whenever it is, sometime later, whatever, but ends up doing something horrific. And I don't know how a therapist, that's a lot to put on a therapist, right? I mean, now they're going to be the arbiters of whether or not this person is going to go, you know, shoot up a school, shoot up a workplace and so forth. Is it possible that if somebody is going through a a psychological issue, they might then be afraid to go to a therapist because they don't want, they don't want to be accused of somebody who might do something horrific. This this could, my point is this could, this could backfire. This could boomerang because now you're going to have people who, 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 may be disturbed and don't want to go to therapy because of that fear. And that means they're not going to get the help that they need. I mean, I could, I could do this all day long, John. I mean, there, There's so many problems with a lot of the things that we're discussing now. and None of them really seem to be solutions.
1: Well, they're really not. I mean, there is absolutely a chilling effect. I have, I have represented people in my law practice that have what might, some might call mental health issues for example, uh, Individuals with military service that have post-traumatic stress disorder. That's something that they can get treated for as a mental health issue. But, you know, would they get voluntary treatment for that or depression or anxiety or anything else if they believed that counseling would result in impairment of Second Amendment rights? And I think generally... We need to make the law clear that if you're just getting voluntary treatment and counseling, that that, that's not going to implicate, you know, your Second Amendment rights. You know, give them those assurances because we want them to get voluntary treatment. But at the same time, if you see the person, you know, standing on the shelf of the bridge ready to jump, you know that's an emergency situation and you can't just ignore it.
0: You're right, John. And we're out of time and a lot of questions remain as Governor Lee looks to implement some semblance of red flag laws. And as always, appreciate your expertise. John Harris from the Tennessee Firearms Association. Thanks again, John. 823.